Welcome to podcast number five, Digital Health in a COVID-19 World. My name is Denise Balsh, and I'm president of Connects Health, which brings you the Benefits Breakfast Club and the Benefits and Private Healthcare Associate programs, as well as these podcasts. And today, I'm speaking with Tim Clark, the president of TC Health Consulting in Toronto, Ontario. After leaving a senior position with an international HR consulting firm with a focus on employee benefits and retirement in 2017, Tim, who's also an actuary, formed TC Health Consulting, and since then he has been spending much of his time working with digital health startups, assisting them to navigate the world of healthcare and healthcare stakeholders. Tim, welcome to today's podcast. Thanks, Denise. Thanks. uh, Appreciate you having me. So, um, Tim, let's just start with a little bit of background um, before we uh, get into all the questions I have for you. Uh, what drew you when you left your um, prior employment? What drew you into the digital health space when you formed TC Health Consulting? Okay, thanks, Denise. Yeah, so uh, prior to uh, forming the business that I'm running now, uh, I'd spent 20-plus uh, years working in the employer benefits consulting field. So working with uh, companies across Canada around uh, every aspect of their benefits plan, from wellness to healthcare, disability, retirement, and so on. Uh, so spent a, a, a good career focused on helping employers uh, find solutions around their healthcare needs of various sorts. Uh, the uh, last several years of that, uh, one of the roles I, I had was uh, as chief innovation officer at Aon where the, the, the focus there was really in looking for new and leading edge solutions. So when I left Aon uh, about three and a half years ago, uh, the new business I started uh, has a bit of a, the same components, but looked at from the, if you will, the opposite direction. Whereas I used to work with employers to find the new health solutions in the marketplace. Uh, I now work with uh, largely with companies building the new healthcare solutions about how to better connect with the employer healthcare landscape. Uh, so work with a lot of companies in uh, startup digital health areas, as well as a lot of companies that are larger, but doing new and innovative things in healthcare, uh, trying to find their best uh, path uh, into uh, our uh, benefits world. Words like digital health and virtual care were not ones that Canadian employers were using uh, uncommonly three or four years ago. Uh, so it's been a fascinating area to, to see grow and evolve uh, and uh, hopefully uh, get to see it through to uh, a lot of those great ideas actually being uh, great solutions that get implemented across our healthcare system. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll be uh, touching on some of those uh, today in our discussion. Um, let's start with the basics, though, first of all. When we hear about digital health, what should we think of? What falls into that bucket? So that is a great question uh, in terms of I, I get asked this question and see it come up in a, in a lot of different contexts. And one of the joys about working in a field that really hasn't been around all that long is that there's not necessarily one definition that everybody uses and everybody works with. There's a lot of commonalities between the 30 different definitions you can find out there. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, there, there are a lot of uh, overly complicated versions of definitions uh, that are out there. Um, if, if you'll uh, indulge me for a second, I'm actually gonna read one, one to you. Uh, so just in, in preparation for our, our conversation today, uh, I went to the website for HIMSS, so H-I-M-S-S, 
They are the Healthcare Information Management System Society, kind of regarded as the place for digital health and health technology, uh, specifically in the United States, but they're a global organization. They have a definition for digital health that I, I may need to take a very deep breath before I, I uh, read it all to you, but uh, I'll, I'll read it and then I'll try and uh, give you a bit more of a concise synopsis. Digital health connects and empowers people and populations to manage health and wellness, augmented by accessible and supportive provider teams working within flexible, integrated, interoperable, and digitally enabled care environments that strategically leverage digital tools, technologies, and services to transform care delivery. Uh, That's quite a mouthful. <laughs> whatever buzzword bingo card you have in front of you right now, uh, I think everyone will be checking something off. Uh, so let, let me kind of go with, uh, and perhaps for fear of oversimplifying, the way I think of digital health is it's technology that empowers people to be healthier. Uh, there's a technology element there. There's the personal element that, it, that, it, that this puts the power of technology in people's hands. And it is all around the outcomes of making people healthier. Yeah, that sounds a lot more digestible as a, as a definition. Uh, you know, I, I'm an actuary by background, Denise, so the 60-word the, the definition uh, was always going to get replaced by the, uh, the, the five-word definition, if possible. Because, again, it, for something that's so broad, it can mean so many things to so many individuals. So what I think about from a de definition of digital health or a description of the categories within digital health, again, focused more on the outcomes of what it provides to people rather than what are the technologies going into it. Um, you know, the outcomes are you can use these uh, digital health technologies, you know, to educate people, help them learn more about whatever health need or condition they might have, to direct them, to point them to the resources they might need, to connect them. So think of the telemedicine services that have become uh, such a, a talking point within, uh, within Canada over the last little while, that virtual connection uh, with, with providers, uh, to give them support. And what I mean by support is support that actually is technology driven. We all have a phone in our hands that can provide us with notifications or information of various sorts. There are apps out there. There are hundreds of thousands of health apps out there that can help you on a 24 seven basis. Th that kind of support that is, is, is a big piece of what digital health can do. The data and the monitoring and the measuring is also a big component of it. Uh, whether it's you're thinking of your Fitbit wearable, uh, working with an organization that does a mental health wearable, uh, there are organizations out there building all kinds of uh, at-home medical devices that can be internet connected so that you can do everything from take your blood pressure to an, an e-stethoscope uh, to being able to uh, have a spirometer test to uh, see whether you need to see your doctor if you have COPD. Uh, all of these kinds of devices and technologies are out there. Uh, they, that's, a, that's kind of a fairly wide range of, of ways of, of uh, 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 defining and categorizing digital health, but you'll see from all of these what really you're able to do is healthcare today from a, at least a health system perspective is very episodic. I go to the doctor uh, every, every few months. I go to see my specialist every few weeks. I have something that I may need to interact with a therapist on a more re uh, regular basis, but those are still episodic events. The ability of digital health 
to actually make healthcare continuous, to use a combination of those in-person visits as well as the information you can be getting on your phone in one way or another from the devices around you. It, it's really that being able to make healthcare continuous that is really what I see as, as the, uh, the holy grail of, of success for, for digital health. That's great, Tim. I think that gives us a really uh, a really good idea of, of the scope of what we can look to for digital health. Um, so how was the digital health space developing before COVID-19? Sure, yes, in the, in the old world versus our new world. Uh, so uh, having spent you know, the, the last three years working with a lot of organizations who are, you know, building great solutions within this digital health space, um, but also recognize the need to, you know, partner with whether it's employers, insurance companies, whatever, uh, you know, have, have seen a lot of the conversations going on. And there have been a lot of conversations regarding digital health in Canada over the last few years. Uh, what I would say, though, is that there was far more conversation going on than there was adoption going on. So take just a, a couple of examples that maybe were the most prevalent in the Canadian uh, employer benefits uh, uh, space uh, leading up to you know February February of 2020, uh, and I think the, the main two that, that people were seeing uh, one was telemedicine. Telemedicine had become a uh, common point of conversation as a digital health technology. The other that was uh, that was a, a big topic was uh, ICBT, so mental virtual mental health care. Uh, though that was, uh, again, getting lots of conversation in a number of different contexts, whether that's as an eligible expense under a medical plan, whether that's a way of providing support under an EAP, whether it's connected to a disability service. Uh, there was a number of ways that these, these services were being implemented, but those were the two biggest ones that pre-COVID were big topics of conversation that were beginning to get uh, some acceleration, if you will, in, in adoption. There were a bunch of others that were out there. Things like virtual physiotherapy was becoming noticed. Uh, even the concept of uh, digital therapeutics and apps on your phone. Uh, I've been in conversation with a number of places across our industry where uh, people recognize that there's value in an app on your phone that may actually be worth paying for under a benefits plan someday, somehow. Uh, but as of the end of February, those were looked at as interesting conversations, but not ones that were about to uh, happen quickly. And what about since the middle of March? How have things changed in the digital health space? Because we know they've changed. Uh, boy, oh boy, have they changed. Yeah. Um, so uh, and, and I, I'm going to read you one more quote and then I, I promise to stick to my own notes from here on in. Uh, but uh, when I think of you know, the second half of March, uh, you know, whatever assumptions people had about the world, I mean, a lot of them changed fairly dramatically. Uh, again, another quote that I love, uh, it actually comes from uh, Lenin. Uh, there are decades and decades where nothing happens, and then there are weeks where decades happen. I think that really described what we all felt at the end of March when the world changed so dramatically so quickly. Uh, what, what it meant as you, as you look at a lot of the things we do in our personal lives, but also uh, you know, specific to this digital health space, is what it did is it accelerated change dramatically. Uh, and really, there was kind of you know, a couple of reasons for that. One was necessity. 
if in uh, you know in February you had talked to somebody about uh, physiotherapy for their bad back, the the only way they would have really been thinking about it, uh, accessing physiotherapy would have been through going to a physiotherapist in a clinic. There may have been a few individuals who would have known that virtual physiotherapy existed, but it, that would have been by far the minority. All of a sudden in April, in May of 2020, the only way to access something like physiotherapy is by doing it virtually. So that necessity really uh, raised people's awareness uh, of issues or of, of topics that may have been bubbling under before, but now became certainly uh, ready for prime time. And, and, and I think that's, you know, absolutely you saw, well, we, we all saw it in our personal lives that, uh, you know, when change is forced upon us, we can change very quickly as to, to what we do. Uh, I, I think also a couple of things, if, if uh, you look at the, you know, slow adoption rates that we were seeing of services prior to, uh, prior to March of this year, uh, you know, a couple of things that would have come up as, you know, questions and uh, uh, concerns uh, you know, it would have been, you know, some of them would have been around costs, you know, is, is doing something virtually or digitally, uh, you know, uh, less, uh, less expensive. But there also would have been big concerns about is it effective? Uh, and you heard this from everyone from, uh, you know, an insurance company to an employer to physicians. Physicians going, well, I don't want to do telemedicine visits with my patients because I don't think it's as effective. I need to see them face to face. Those are the kinds of things that change dramatically with the necessity of having to work remotely. Uh, and you, you see it within both the practitioners uh, that, that uh, benefit plans deal with. The, you know, the, there are thousands of physiotherapists have signed up for virtual physiotherapy platforms uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, the, the physicians in, in Canada are all now, or a, a large majority of them, are doing some sort of Results with their patients. Uh, these are the people who may have been very, very hesitant about: Is this effective? Is this going to be good enough? Uh, the necessity forced them to try it. At which point they realize the effectiveness is actually a lot better than they anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, you know, just anecdotally, we've been hearing that from our own experiences or from folks that we know, as well as in our professional professional practices. So. Um, when we talk about digital health, so um, can you talk to what kind of changed first, the most immediate needs um, that have been addressed? What were the first couple of things that uh, that went? Was it the physician uh, physicians kind of led the pack on this change or did everything kind of uh, just happen at once? Yeah, and uh, great question. And, and certainly, it's it's one of the things that I think in any conversation about uh, change during the course of this pandemic, you do need to think about it in uh, different stages, different phases. Whether it's of the uh, you know the uh, uh, the, the virus uh, in the outside world, whether it's our own uh, mindset around it. Uh, but from a digital health perspective, what we saw most immediately was the acute issues being dealt with. Uh, and you saw that from a public health perspective where 
Uh, I mean, I, it, I I was almost shocked when I saw this. I've been tracking for a while now the uh, glacial pace with which the Ontario government was moving towards telemedicine for uh, the uh, general population of, of uh, physicians in Canada. They've been looking at it for a long time. They've been assessing it for a long time. They inevitably were going to end up there. Uh, and then on March 14th, out of the blue, all of a sudden, they released a full set of codes and said everybody can do it. Uh, so it was a very uh, quick implementation of something that they probably would have gotten to eventually. They probably would have had a lot harder time to implement it because they would have had a lot of pushback from physicians who had a choice and didn't want to do, necessarily change the way they were doing. But when that change was forced upon them of the pandemic, they were quite excited to see this uh, ability and away it went. So physicians were the first piece from a public health perspective. Uh, from an employer benefits perspective, we saw telemedicine programs uh, explode in popularity. Uh, a lot of companies adding telemedicine very quickly to their benefit plans as they recognize people need remote access to uh, the most basic of healthcare. Uh, we saw insurance companies, all and many had partners before, all of them do now. Uh, so the the it would, but it was really a, an initially stages that focused on the acute elements. So uh, the getting access to a physician, mental health became you know a, an even more prominent uh, acute issue. Uh, to some degree, uh, the paramedical practitioners. Uh, if you look at uh, most of the insurance companies in Canada, have uh, uh, if you go to their websites, you can find that there's lists of paramedical practitioners who uh, are eligible to submit claims for virtual services. Those lists were not on their websites prior to the middle of March. Uh, prior to the middle of March, some were still contemplating it. Again, is it effective? Uh, the insurance companies were very quick to uh, allow the practitioners to working remotely to be eligible as a medical expense. So those were the, the two or three things we saw very quickly happen uh, in that, if you will, first phase of the pandemic where we were kind of locking ourselves down and figuring out how to deal with the necessities on a remote basis. And how are things progressing? Because, as you said, those are, were the most immediate needs, those are acute care. And I know even personally, my physician has kind of rolled into that quite smoothly, uh, those virtual visits. Um, and even from a paramedical perspective, I think we're, we're seeing even those that didn't jump on board initially are now getting, you know, as you said, the software and they're kind of getting their heads around how they can deliver re um, uh, remotely and uh, and and uh, through technology, um, but and I know we were talking earlier before the uh, before we started recording about how things will change over time and are changing as the pandemic kind of settles in. So we realize that this is not a two or four or six week lockdown. This is a change in the way we live long term uh, until such time as you know a vaccine or a. So how have we already seen sort of that change from that initial acute phase uh, yeah. and then moving moving now where we're getting into what we really could call the medium term uh, semi lockdown period? Yeah. And, and, and so this is, uh, you know, we can talk about the the changes as they're happening. But, you know, this is it. it, it it's one of the, the uh, very fascinating parts of trying to help people navigate uh, through this, uh, so 
talk about from companies building new health and technology solutions, but also those trying to uh, enable employers to get access to them. So the insurance companies, the advisors of the world. Uh, so yeah, where we went through in, uh, the immediate crisis, what are the acute things that need to be dealt with? Um, you know, uh, from you know a business perspective as well as from a health perspective. Uh, we now start to get into what are some of the more long-term things that we need to be thinking about. So it's not just uh, crisis management of I need to get uh, a visit because I've, uh, I've thrown my back out and I need to see somebody. This is now talking about, you know, ongoing, how do I do an ongoing course of treatment uh, remotely? Uh, it, it, it's about things like uh, chronic conditions, and I think this will, you know, is an issue that's starting to arise now that is going to become more and more prominent in the, in the coming months. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing, you know, if, if I've got asthma, COPD, uh, heart disease, pick a chronic condition, uh, if I haven't seen my specialist in three weeks, six weeks, possibly not the end of the world. Uh, even when I can do a, a virtual visit with that, with that specialist, uh, you know, that can uh, bide me over for an, an extended length of time. When you start getting into three months, six months, 12 months, not that we won't be able to leave our homes in 12 months, but for someone who has a health condition, and we keep hearing uh, with the, the virus that we're, we're dealing with, that those with chronic health conditions are at greater risk. If I have COPD, do I want to leave my house to go to my specialist appointment where he's going to do a couple of tests that should get done every six months or every 12 months? How does that person get support on a remote basis? So that how do we enable chronic care and chronic health care from home is a topic that's coming up now and is, is going to become a, a bigger and bigger issue. Uh, so certainly the mental health challenges uh, again, you've kind of gone from an acute phase of mental health challenges to more of a, of a maintenance phase. Uh, in some cases, because it's 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 a similar issue that's that's lasted for an extended period of time. In some cases, because this is kind of an unnorm an abnormal thing we're being asked asking people to do, which is creating another set of mental health challenges. Um, and from an HR perspective. You don't have access to your employees the way you used to. You you don't necessarily see them. You don't you aren't able to, to to give them or to be able to interact with them the same way. So that that ability to engage with your employees, whether it's around HR issues in general, but certainly around their health, is 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 very different. All the people who used to go to a gym uh, don't have that opportunity right now. So when you look at the if you will maintenance health and chronic uh, care issues that we're now starting to get into of. Uh, there's now virtual trainers out there. Uh, virtually every, uh, all, a lot of the, uh, the the folks that would have been doing in-person training have, have moved to a virtual setting. So on a more of a, of a fitness and wellness perspective, uh, the need for access to dietitian services is is certainly going to be higher than ever. The mental health services that are required, the, the helping people who may not want to leave their home for health care in the future. The, these are kind of the next generation of, of longer-term health care issues that we're starting to roll into. The other one from an employer perspective is we're now starting to have conversations about how do I ensure that when I want people to return to work, when people need to be able to return to work, are they healthy? Do they have the uh, testing, the physical health supports, the mental health supports they need to be able to return productively, whether that's an essential workforce or whether that's just simply trying to get back to business as usual. 
because uh, we're all trying to not have our economy shut down any longer than it needs to be. So, so the, the next set of uh, issues, once we've dealt with the acute, is really the chronic. Thank you for joining us for the first of two parts for podcast number five, Digital Health in a COVID-19 World. We've been speaking with Tim Clark, president of TC Health Consulting. In the second part of this special podcast, we'll be looking at how employers should be looking to navigate this new environment and the new solutions available, and uh, whether digital health is going to save us money in the long term and whether it'll make us and our employees healthier. Plus, we'll be hearing from Tim on some of the takeaways from this experience uh, of COVID-19 and our rapidly changing digital health environment.